بسم الله الرحمن الرحيم الحمد لله رب العالمين والصلاة والسلام على أشرف الأنبياء والمرسلين نبينا محمد وعلى آله وأصحابه أجمعين أما بعد السلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته اللهم انفعنا بما علمتنا وعلمنا ما ينفعنا وارزقنا علما تنفعنا به آمين رب العالمين الحمد لله ثم الحمد لله We've reached lesson number three tonight uh, of the explanation and the commentary of the prophetic morning and evening adhkar. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Again, in today's lesson, we will look at the ahadith or some of the texts of the ahadith. And we will go through the explanation of the wording of the adhkar. And of course, how to pronounce them and when to say each dhikr, um, insha'Allah ta'ala. So we look at our first dhikr for the evening the hadith uh, indicates or tells us that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam he never failed to utter these supplications uh, in the morning and as well in the evening. And the hadith is from Abdullah ibn Umar radiallahu anhuma, where he says these words that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wasallam never failed to recite these adhkar or this specific uh, supplication in the morning and as well in the evening. And this already shows us just by the way he describes this hadith, the way he, that Abdullah ibn Umar uh, anhuma, the way he describes this supplication or this dhikr already indicates to us that, the, that it's something powerful and that, and that it's something important because the Prophet never left them off. Every morning and every evening he recited them. And so this is enough for us as followers of Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam to make sure that we as well that we do not miss out on, uh, on them morning and evening so firstly um, the recitation of it so the dhikr reads Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afiyah fi dunya wal-akhirah Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afwa wal-afiyah fi dini wa dunyai wa ahli wa mali اللهم استر عوراتي وآمن روعاتي اللهم احفظني من بين يدي ومن خلفي وعن يميني وعن شمالي ومن فوقي وأعوذ بعظمتك أن أغتال من تحتي Using the transliteration again اللهم إني أسألك العافية في الدنيا والآخرة اللهم إني أسألك العفو والعافية في ديني ودنياي وأهلي ومالي اللهم استر عوراتي وآمن روعاتي اللهم احفظني من بين يدي ومن خلفي وعن يميني وعن شمالي ومن فوقي وأعوذ بعظمتك أن أغتال من تحتي So that is the, the reading of this dhikr now before we get into the explanation of the dhikr, we notice that in this dhikr, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is saying, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afiyah, and then he said, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afwa wal-afiyah. So he's asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala first for afiyah in this world and in the year after, and then he's asking him for afu and for afiyah in his religion, in his dunya, in his wealth and in his family. So two things he specifically asks Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for initially in the hadith, afiyah and afwa, afu, okay? Before we get into the explanation of this hadith, look at the importance that he gives to these two things in other ahadith. Firstly, we have a hadith from Mu'adh ibn Rifa'ah from his father that he said that Abu Bakr al-Siddiq radiyallahu anhu, he stood on the minbar and wept. He cried and he said that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa stood upon the mimbar the first year of hijrah and wept and then he said. So he just like the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa stood on the mimbar, they were in tears and then he is now saying what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa said when he stood on this mimbar in the first year of the hijrah. So the Prophet he stood on the mimbar, he cried and he said to the people, Sallallahu al-afwa wal-afiyah, ask Allah. For afwa and afiyah. These two things that this hadith that we are busy with, this dhikr that we are busy explaining, he, yeah, he instructs the people, ask Allah for this. Ask Him all the time for 
al-afwa and al-afiyah. Al-afwa is pardon and al-afiyah we will explain meaning it means well-being or safety and security. But here he is saying ask Allah for afwa and ask him for afiyah. فَإِنَّ أَحَدًا لَمْ يُعْطَ بَعْدَ الْيَقِينِ خَيْرًا مِنَ الْعَافِيَةِ For indeed, none has been given anything better than al-'afiyah. And in fact, maybe a better translation that's not mentioned in this translation is, he says, none has been given anything that's better than yaqeen, meaning better than your conviction, your firm yaqeen, your certainty and your iman in Allah. Nothing is after that, nothing after that is better than al-'afiyah. So in always ask Allah for afiyah and also ask him for al-afwa. Okay, so notice how he instructs this in this hadith. In another hadith from Abbas ibn Abdul Muttalib radiallahu anhu, he requested from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam to teach him a dua whereby he may request Allah for his needs. Meaning, Ya Rasulullah, teach me something I can ask Allah for and through that I can then ask him for to fulfill my needs. So the Prophet said, Oh Abbas, ask Allah for afiyah. Ask Allah for afiyah. And so after some days, he again met the Prophet and asked him, Teach me a supplication to beseech Allah for my wants, my needs. And he said, Oh Abbas, oh uncle of the Messenger of Allah, ask Allah for afiyah in this world and the next. Subhanallah. So this is somebody that's of course close and beloved to the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam that's asking him for a special dua. And what does he instruct him with? Ask Allah for afiyah. And then he again said to him, ask Allah for afiyah in this world and the next. Fi dunya wal akhirah. Okay? So these are separate ahadith. And yet we find that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam is encouraging his sahaba and yes, specifically the one that's beloved to him, his uncle. Ask Allah for afiyah and ask him in this world and in the, for the year after, ask him for al-afiyah. So this obviously indicates to us the importance of al-afiyah and the power of al-afiyah. Tayyib, now we look at our dhikr that we are explaining right now. We, we, we mentioned how to recite the dhikr, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afiyah and so forth. Let's look at the meaning of this dhikr. It starts off by saying, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afiyah fi dunya wal akhirah. Oh Allah, I ask you for afiyah in this world and the next. Exactly what the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam told Abbas to ask Allah for. Ask Allah for afiyah in this world and the next. This is exactly what we start off this dhikr with. So here again we see the power of this dhikr. What is al-afiyah? Al-afiyah we translated as well-being. I ask you for well-being in this world and in the next. Al-Afiyah is goodness, it's health, it's safety, it's security, it's protection. I ask you for this holistic term of, of well-being, yani firstly in this world, that in this dunya, we ask you for Afiyah, we ask you for safety, we ask you for, for protection in this dunya, against all of the harms of the dunya. You think of all the dangers that are out there, the different sicknesses and illnesses, crimes and evil people and evil shayateen and all types of evil that are out there in this world that can affect us and the fitna that's, without, that's out there in this dunya. We are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for afiyah against all of these things. And this is, is extremely powerful. Oh Allah, I ask you for afiyah fit dunya. For all of the tests of this world, for all of the evils of this world, for all of the, diff, this, the, the, the sicknesses of this world, for all of the dangers of this world that, with, that this world contains, I ask you for afiyah against that, for well-being and protection and safety and security against all of that. Wal-akhirah. And I ask you for afiyah in the akhirah. For afiyah in the year after. And this is even more important than the dunya. However, we know that our well-being here could, could make our well-being in the Akhirah. That if we are protected in this dunya from uh, fitna and so forth, then we'll be safe in the Akhirah ta'ala. So to ask for the dunya is very important. And likewise, we ask for the Akhirah. That we are saved on the Akhirah. That we are, we are those, of those who are safe. And of those who are saved in the year after. Firstly, 
The first part of the Akhirah starts in the Qabr. We are saved from the Qabr and its trials and torments. We are saved on the day of Qiyamah from all of the horrors and the terrors of the day of Qiyamah. We are saved in, from Jahannam. We are protected from all of the terrors of the year after. This is what we are asking Allah for. Well-being in the year after. Whatever comes after this dunya is year after. We want to be safe. We want to be protected. We want to be under the protection of Allah. We want to be saved. We are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for all of this when we say Al-Afiyah fi dunya and in the Akhirah as well. So this first part of the hadith is already extremely powerful. Just to say Allahumma inni as'aluka al-Afiyah fi dunya wal-Akhirah. Oh Allah, I ask you for this afia, this safety, this protection, this well-being in this world and in the year after. And then we say, Allahumma inni as'aluka al-afwa wal-afiyah fi dini. Oh Allah, I ask you for forgiveness, afwa, and afia, and well-being fi dini, in my religion. So firstly, we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for Forgiveness, for pardon. Al-Afu is pardon or forgiveness. It means that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgives us and it leaves no trace of the sin behind. Al-Afu, if Allah pardons you, it leaves no trace of the sin behind. Nothing at all. It's completely gone, it's completely wiped out. We are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for this. For this Afu, this, his pardon, his forgiveness. And his Afiyah and well-being Safety and security and protection in our religion. So firstly, we want forgiveness. Because what is there for safety when there's no forgiveness? Our safety in our deen is dependent that we are on our forgiveness. Because we are all sinners. We all have our weaknesses and our shortcomings. And if we are not going to repent for our sins and have our sins forgiven, then how are we going to be protected within our religion? Here we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for well-being in our deen. That Allah takes care of the state of our deen. So we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala firstly to forgive our sins. Forgive us for our shortcomings. And then we are asking Him for, for that protection. For that afiyah, for that safety and for that well-being in our religion. Meaning that Allah preserves our deen. That we don't lose our deen. And how many, how much people do not lose their deen? Wanaudu billah. People have become murtad. People who are on the straight path went astray. So we are asking Allah firstly to protect here, or in this part here, to protect our religion against shubuhat, against all of the doubts and confusions that are being spread out there. So many things are being thrown around. People are confused. Where do I go? Where do I turn? What's the right path? What's not the right path? So many groups, so many sects, so many different, you know, shuyukh and, and ulama talking different things, calling to different ways, calling to different paths, different belief systems. Where do we turn? Ask Allah for afia in your religion, that He grants you that safety in your deen, so that you can see where the truth is. He can guide you to the truth, and He can preserve your religion, so that you do not fall into these shubuhat, the doubts. All of the doubts in belief, doubts in all types of doubts. And sometimes the doubts come from the Muslims, sometimes it comes from the non-Muslims. They want to cast doubt on the Quran, doubts about Allah, doubts about Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and so forth. And again from the Muslims, they come with deviant ideologies, beliefs that are contrary to the Quran and the Sunnah, contrary to the way of the Sahaba, to the Salaf al-Salih. So we need protection in our religion. Whether you think you're on the straight path or not, whether you believe you're on the straight path or not, this is of utmost importance that we recite this on a daily basis. Morning and evening at least, that we ask Allah to protect our deen. We do not lose our deen, we do not become misguided within our deen. This is of utmost importance. Likewise, again, shahawat, that we do not be of those who follow our lusts and our desires. And so instead of following the right path, we put our own opinions ahead of it. Or other people's opinions ahead of the Quran and the Sunnah. This is also a type of misguidance within our deen. We follow uh, our shahwa, our, our, our preferred opinions, as opposed to the correct opinion of the Quran and the Sunnah. So this is a very powerful dua and a very, very important dua that we make. As we wake up in the morning, we're reciting this dua. So for this day, we are asking Allah, you know, protect my deen. Let me not lose my deen. Let me not go astray. 
And as we enter the evening, we recite the dua again. So for this evening and night, let me not go astray. Let me not lose my religion. Grant me that safety, that security in my deen. Extremely powerful, extremely important. Likewise for the akhirah. Can there be anything more important than safety in the akhirah? And likewise for the dunya. And then he says, What dunya? And my worldly affairs. And my worldly affairs. And in this world. What dunya? Fi dini wa dunya. In my religion and in my my dunya, meaning my worldly affairs. So in terms of my, my dealings, in terms of my, my transactions, my interactions with people, anything that's dunya related, whether it's your work, whether it's your studies, whether it's whatever it could be, this is completely general. Completely general. We're asking Allah to forgive us for our worldly errors and likewise for the fitna that's within this world and all of the evils within this world and so forth. We are asking Allah again for protection regarding our dunya, our worldly affairs. Wa ahli, and in my family, well-being in my family. We are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for well-being with regards to our family. So firstly, this could mean that we are asking Allah to protect our families. Protect yourself, your, your wife, your, your mother, your father, your children, your husband, your spouse. Your brothers, your sisters, your aunts, your uncles, your grandparents, etc. Family, it's whoever is family, you ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for well-being within your family. To protect your family. Understand? And again, it could also mean that He protects you from the fitna of your family. Because remember, the Quran tells us, your family is a fitna, your children is a fitna, your spouse is a fitna. The way that you deal with them, the way that you interact with them. How much do you favor them? How much do you spend on them? Do you withhold their haq? Do you fulfill their haq? Or do you prefer them over Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala? Meaning you, you spend more time there or you, they are so much of a distraction that you do not fulfill the, the haq of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the rights of Allah and so forth. It's endless, the, the examples. But your family is also a fitna, it's a test. In various ways, we are also asking Allah not just to protect them, but also to protect you with regards to them, that they do not become a bad fitna for you, or a fitna that can lead you astray and cause you to fall into sin, and so forth. And wamali and my property, my wealth. Your mal is your wealth or your property, that you ask Allah to protect you, to grant you well-being in your wealth, in your properties, in your money, whatever you own. Is your mal. It counts as your wealth. So we want protection in this. That we do not get robbed. Our money doesn't just disappear. We want barakah in our wealth. That our money is safe and secure. Whichever investment it is in. In the bank. Whether it's you know, in cash form. Whether it's something. Like an immovable object. Like a house. That the house doesn't get burned down. Or the house doesn't get destroyed in some way. Or so forth. Whether it's a car, it's part of your wealth. It doesn't end up in an accident. Everything you own is your wealth. That you are asking Allah here to protect your property, your wealth. That which you own is your mal. And likewise, as we said regarding the children and the family, it's not just about the protection of that assets. It's also that it doesn't become a fitna for you. Because your wealth can become a fitna. This is mal, wealth, money is fitna, no doubt. Your money can lead you astray. Your money can make you become haughty and proud and arrogant. You may be someone who only chases the dunya and chases wealth. So we're asking Allah for all of this that He protects us. Not just does He protect these assets and these, our families and our wealth and our dunya and our religion. But also the fitna that, that comes with it. So that these things do not lead us astray. So if you look at the first part of this dhikr, it's extremely powerful. It's extremely important and these are all the things that we ask Allah for afia within, for well-being, safety and, and, and security within. It's all things that are of utmost importance and valuable to us. That we don't want to lose. We don't want to lose our dunya. We don't want the dunya to become a fitna for us because then we're going to lose the akhirah. And we do not want to lose in the akhirah because then we are the ultimate losers. We don't want to lose our deen. We don't want to lose our worldly interactions and our worldly uh, affairs. We do not want to lose our families, nor do we want to lose our properties. And we don't want them to become a fitna for us either. This is a 
extremely powerful and extremely blessed dua to be making as we start the morning for that entire day and as we come into the evening for that entire night. Allahumma stur awrati. The dua then says, Oh Allah, conceal my faults, my awrah. The word used is awrat. My awrah. Cover my awrah. Conceal my awrah. And again, this could mean two things. It can refer to number one, our faults. We all have sins. We all have faults. And as the saying, you know, one of the salaf would say, had it not been that Allah concealed our sins, then nobody would want to, would want to befriend us. Nobody would trust us. Nobody would want to sit with us. Or if our sins had a smell, if our sins had a stench, nobody would want to be in our company. But this is because Allah has concealed us and concealed our sins that we, that we can actually interact with and, and be with around others. Had Allah exposed us, we'd all be, we wouldn't come out of our rooms, Wallahu musta'an. So we are asking Allah not to expose us, number one. Conceal our faults. Let my sins stay sins as in private. Let my faults be private and not be publicized. And one of the ways to, to, to confirm this or to assure this is not to, con- not to expose the sins of others. Because those who go and try to ex- expose the sins of others, others, the same will be done to them. Allah will expose them in return. Likewise, those who conceal the sins of others, Allah will conceal their sins as well. So this is again an important point. Allahumma stur awrati. Oh Allah, conceal my sins, conceal my faults, conceal my shortcomings. This can also mean physically. In another interpretation, it can mean physically. That, oh Allah, conceal my aura. Let my body not become exposed. So as a male, we need to cover up our aura. That we are not wearing tight clothes and tight skinnies and jeans and these things that are tight, too tight, that, that becomes impermissible. Or that our aura becomes exposed. And obviously, even more so for the females because the aura is a bit more strict according to the sharia. So that they make this dua is very important that Allah conceals their, their awrat, not just their sins, but also their physical bodies, which Allah has made such because the woman is precious and her body is such that Allah has made it honorable that Allah wants to be covered. And this is the decree of Allah and the law of Allah that we accept as believers. We say, Sami'na wa ata'na. And we don't fall into the doubts of the Western, but why is where's the equality and the this and that? The Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best and why he, and he has the ultimate hikmah. And that's the way of the believer. Walhamdulillah, we're happy with this. So they are asking Allah, we are all asking Allah to conceal our physical aura as well. That somehow it doesn't become exposed. And as believers, we should be shy to become exposed physically. Because Allah has forbid those parts of the body to be exposed, so we have to cover it up. So this is what this part of the dua means. Number one, we ask Allah to conceal our faults and our sins, likewise our physical awrat as well. وَآمِنْ رَوْعَاتِ And calm my fears or that which causes me worry or grief. Again, this dunya, you know, is such, it's a, it's a place of test. It's a place of tests and trials, tribulations. And with it comes difficulty, with it comes moments of hardship, Moments of grief and worry and anxiety. Yeah, again, many if not everybody has this to, an, to a different levels. To different levels. But here we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us from that. And to keep us calm within these moments. And to keep us safe from that, those issues that are causing us worry. Yani Allah, get me through. You know, make it easy for us. Whatever it is that, that's causing a person worry, we are saying, وَآمِنْ رَوْعَاتِ And keep me safe. Keep me safe against that which is causing me grief. Let it not overcome me. Let me not lose the battle. Grant me steadfastness. And make it easy for me. Take the anxiety away. Take the worry away. Take the grief away. This is what this part of the dua means. And this again is so important and so powerful. So powerful that it keeps the believer Grounded, keeps him safe, it keeps him um, optimistic and positive. That I know I recited this dua in the morning and in the evening, for example, it's prophetic. It's, it's not just a normal dua, so Allah will get me through. Whatever it is that's causing me grief and worry, Allah is going to get me through. I'm, I ask Allah for that in the morning, for example, 
and I know he'll get me through because it's a prophetic dua. Protect me from that which is causing me that, that worry and grief. And then the dua says, Allahumma hafadhni min bayni yaday wa min khalfi wa an yamini wa an shimali wa min fawqi. Oh Allah, protect me from that which is in front of me. That which is behind me, that which is on my right and on my left, and from that which is above me. From all angles you have asked Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala for protection now, except the bottom, which we're going to get to. But think about it, when a person's walking, the bottom is usually, uh, according to the norm, safe. You're walking on some solid ground, it's fine. Right, you say from the bottom, nothing can necessarily hurt you from the bottom up in a, in a normal uh, circumstance. But from any side, you could be harmed. Picture yourself in a car. In a normal circumstance, where do accidents happen? Either head on, you get knocked from the front, somebody jumps a street light or a stop street and you get knocked from the sides. Understand? So, a person could be walking, something can fall on his head, for example. He can be hurt from above. So from any angle, any angle, we are asking Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect us at all times. To protect us from the front, from the right, from the left, from the bottom, from the back, all sides, Ya Allah, protect me. And Wallahi, inside we are weak. We don't have the ability to protect ourselves. Allah is the protector. And none can protect against Him. But here we are asking Allah to protect us from all angles. And again, picture yourself on the road, anything can happen at any given time. Once you make this dua, put the trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Be confident that inshallah you are safe. Because from the front you are safe, the back you are safe, the right, the left you are safe. And even from the top you are safe. Because I know I made this dua. Not to say you become reckless now, you maintain your, your safety and your, your vigilance and so forth. But at least you have that confidence that alhamdulillah I decided this dua. And this is the beauty of this adhkar. When you read this in the morning, you feel safer. You feel as if, alhamdulillah, I've made my adhkar, I'm fine. When you don't recite it, you feel as if you're incomplete, and you feel as if, you know, almost unsafe at times, wallahu musta'an. And then the dua says, وَأَعُوذُ بِعَظَمَتِكَ أَنْ أُغْتَالَ مِنْ تَحْتِي And I seek refuge by your azamah, by your might, or your, by your greatness, from being struck, or suddenly struck from beneath me. And the narrator of the hadith says this means being swallowed up from the earth. This refers to something like being swallowed up from the earth. So here firstly we seek refuge again in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala alone. And this proves that we can seek refuge in Allah via his attributes. His attribute here is azama, which is his greatness or his might. We are seeking refuge in him through his attribute which is permissible. Okay. From being suddenly struck down from beneath me. Yani, that you do not just fall into a hole, for example. Uh, recently I seen a picture, a car is driving, and all of a sudden the car falls in, the, the, the road gave in. And the, the car goes right in, in, inside, into this massive hole in, in, in the road, for example. And again, there can be a number of ways this can happen. You, again, yeah, you are asking Allah even from that to be protected. So you are now protected literally from all sides and all angles, the top, the bottom, the back, the front, the right, the left. Alhamdulillah. So this is the first dhikr and how powerful it is. Wallahu a'lam, this is a, an extremely powerful dua, especially for protection and for general well-being in, in all the regards and in, 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 in different facets of life. Alhamdulillah, Rabbil Alameen. The Prophet sallallahu as we said in the beginning, never left it off. Not in the morning, not in the evening. So let us not leave it off, not in the morning and not in the evening. Alhamdulillahi, Rabbil Alameen. Our next dhikr is another extremely powerful dhikr. It's narrated from Aban ibn Uthman, who said, I heard Uthman ibn Affan, radiyallahu anhum, say that I heard the, I heard the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam say, if anyone says three times, Bismillah alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fi samaa wa huwa samiul alim then he will not sudden he will not suffer sudden affliction until the morning so this obviously refers to the evening three times take note the first dikir didn't mention anything meaning it only said once this one here specifically says you should say three times and if anyone says it in the morning he will not suffer sudden affliction until the evening 
So three times in the morning, three times in the evening, this dua must be recited. Tayyip, clearly it's a dua for protection, that you will not suffer sudden affliction. Nothing will befall you suddenly. You will not be hurt suddenly. You understand? It's a dua for protection, without a doubt. And even the meaning of the dua we will see is a dua for protection. So what happened was is, this Aban who narrated the hadith, he was afflicted by some paralysis one night. And a man who heard the hadith, he began to look at him as if to say, you narrated this hadith that you will not suffer the sudden affliction if you say this three times in the morning, three times in the evening, but you've just suffered some affliction. And so he said to the man, why are you looking at me? I swear by Allah, I did not tell a lie about Uthman, meaning he's narrated from Uthman, and nor did Uthman tell a lie about the Prophet sallallahu affirming that, listen, there's no lies in the hadith that I mentioned is true. But why did I get afflicted? And he says, but that day when I was afflicted, I became angry and I forgot to say them. Subhanallah. So here he tells us that I did get afflicted. Something happened to me. I was overcome by this paralysis and so forth. But the reason this happened was is because I never recited the dhikr. I forgot to recite it that day because something happened which caused me to become angry. Subhanallah. So here we see an example where this man, he got afflicted. But he's affirming this hadith saying, don't even doubt me or doubt Uthman or say that any of us said a lie about this hadith. The hadith is true. But the reason I got afflicted is because of my shortcoming. I became angry and I did not recite the, the dhikr. Amazing. And imagine many of us, we go through day to day, day to day life, night and day. We haven't even learned these adhkar ever. So we don't recite them ever. So, so many times we got afflicted. Yes, qadrallahu fa'al. But had we been uttering these adhkar, we would have been so much more protected. Subhanallah. Imam al-Qurtubi rahimahullah, a famous imam of tafsir and, and, and other sciences, he said, since I heard this narration, I have acted upon it and nothing has harmed me until the day I left it off. He said, when I left it off, I was stung by a scorpion in the city at night and I remembered that I forgot to seek refuge in Allah with those words. So he says to us very clearly, the moment I learned this hadith, I always acted upon it. Every morning I recited it three times, every evening three times. But one night in the city, I got stung by a scorpion. And later on, as he's now, you know, reflecting over his day, he says he remembered, I actually forgot to recite that dhikr that day, this day. And that's, that, that's the night I got, that, that I got stung. Subhanallah. So look how powerful these adhkar are. And this year, Firstly, we believe in the dhikr because of the hadith. Hadith is authentic, we believe in the dhikr. So number one, we believe in the dhikr because it's an authentic narration. Number two, we also have extra evidence. Min babi tajruba, meaning from the angle of experience that many scholars, classical great scholars, trustworthy classical great imams of Ahl Sunnah wal Jama'ah, telling us that they themselves have seen the power of this dhikr. That they themselves are saying, we don't just believe in this hadith. But number one, we believe it because it's authentic. Number two, we also believe in this hadith because we've experienced the power of these adhkar. That the day we did not recite that something actually happened to us. So it taught us that, you know, these adhkar truly are the, the greatest ways to protect ourselves and to earn the protection of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we look at the wording of the, the dhikr. Number one, how to recite it first of all. in the name of Allah, with the Basmala, and the Basmala in and of itself is extremely powerful. It has so many benefits to it, and so many times we are supposed to be reciting it during the day, we, it already acts as a protection. So here we, we start off by saying, in the name of Allah, Bismillah. Alladhi la yadurru ma'asmihi shay'un fil ardi wa la fil sama. In the name of Allah, who with his name, 
Nothing can cause harm. Neither in the earth nor in the heavens. Subhanallah. And this is something that we believe. We don't just utter these words. We utter them truly believing in the name of Allah or with the name of Allah. That with him, with this name, with the name of Allah, nothing can cause harm. Neither in the earth nor in the heavens. No matter what intended or wants to harm you. It can only harm you by the will of Allah. So we are firstly returning to Allah, putting our trust in Allah, seeking Allah's assistance, seeking Allah's protection by reciting these words. Bismillah, in the name of Allah, who with His name, nothing can cause harm. Neither in the earth nor in the heavens. No, wherever you are, no matter what it is, it will not be able to harm you except by the will of Allah. Unless Allah subhanahu wa allows it to happen. But here we are affirming that benefit and harm is in His hands alone. And we are turning to Him, seeking protection against all harm. And affirming that nothing can possibly harm us if we have, the, if we have Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala with us. So we put our trust and we seek our, our help from Him. Bismillah is a way to seek help. Bismillah is also a way to seek protection. So Bismillah in the name of Allah, who with His name nothing can possibly harm. Not in the heavens, not in the earth. Or not in the earth, not in the heavens. And He is the all-hearing, the all-knowing. He hears every single thing and He knows every single thing. Nothing escapes Him. Nothing escapes His hearing and nothing escapes His knowledge. So He hears our dua. He hears us uttering the zikr. He hears us praising Him. He hears us acknowledging Him. And He's well aware of our belief. Well aware of what we are doing and well aware of all the evil that, are, that is out there. Well aware of every single thing, nothing escapes him. So he is the one that we turn to. He is the one that we turn to. We put our trust in him. We seek our reliance in him. We put our reliance in him. We seek our help and our protection from him. And we believe this dhikr that none, nothing can possibly harm us with this name. Nothing can possibly cause harm except by his will, except by his um, permission. So we utter this dhikr three times every morning, three times every evening, believing it's a protection against all harm. And that nothing will suddenly afflict us in that day if we say it and in that night if we say it in the evening. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. The next dhikr is narrated by Ibn Sunni from Abu Darda. Famous Sahabi Abu Darda radiallahu anhu. That the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said whoever reads Hasbi Allahu la ilaha illahu alayhi tawakkaltu wa huwa rabbul arshil azim. Seven times in the morning and in the evening, so seven in the morning, seven in the evening, Allah will suffice him anything that concerns him from the matters of this world or the next. Amazing. Allah will suffice him. Allah will take care of his needs. Whatever concerns him from the matters of this world or the next. Tayyib. Um, firstly, regarding the takhrij of this hadith. Now, this hadith has been narrated in marfur form and mawquf form. Tayyip, and Sheikh Albani rahimahullah in his Silsilat al-Da'ifa, his book, he authenticates it in mawquf form from Abu Darda, and as well as Ibn Baz rahimahullah in his Majmu Fatawa. Tayyip, as for the hadith in marfu' form, then the hadith is actually fabricated. The hadith is fabricated. You'll find this, this version in Abu Dawood, Sunan Abu Dawood, but many scholars say that the hadith is, if not very weak, but fabricated or a forgery. What is marfu' and what is mawquf? So a marfu' hadith is a hadith that's attributed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Meaning, the sahabi who narrates it says that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, and he narrates the hadith. Or he says, I heard that Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, said so and so. And he narrates the hadith. So the words, actions, or tacit approvals, or a description is attributed to who? To the Prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam. It's marfu', meaning it goes all the way up to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. The chain of narration. As for mawquf, mawquf means it stops at the Sahabi, meaning the hadith from the chain goes all the way up to the Sahabi, but not to Rasulullah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. Meaning what? The Sahabi uttered these words. But he did not say that the Prophet said these words. So he doesn't say Rasulullah said, or I heard Rasulullah saying. 
He, he utters the words himself. So if we look at this hadith over here, Abu Darda narrates the hadith. Right? Now, this would mean in marfu' form. If we say Abu Darda said that the Prophet sallallahu said like it says there, if it says hasbi Allah la ilaha illa seven times, you get that reward. That hadith is fabricated, it's false. We cannot act upon that hadith. But in mawquf form, we can, the hadith is authentic. As Sheikh Al-Bani said, it's a different chain of narration up to Abu Darda, where that Abu Darda said these words without attributing it back to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and it's authentic in that way. So these are the words of Abu Darda, that he said, whomsoever says, حَسْبِيَ اللَّهُ لَا إِلَهِ إِلَّهُ عَلَيْهِ تَوَكَلْتُ وَهُوَ رَبُّ الْعَرْشِ الْعَظِيمِ Seven times in the morning and seven times in the evening, Allah will suffice him anything that concerns him from the matters of this world or the next. طيب. So now the question comes in, if these are the words of Abu Darda, can we act upon this as a hadith? And is it part of the prophetic adhkar or not? So regarding mawkuf a hadith, a hadith that comes from the Sahabi and is not attributed to Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wasallam. There are two types. The first type is that which the Sahabi narrates that comes naturally from his ijtihad, from his own personal opinion. And there are many such examples, thousands of them, in fiqh and so forth, where the Sahabi says that's his opinion or that's the opinion of so-and-so. Most of them are mawkuf, they come from the Sahabi, that's his view on something. But then there are certain narrations that the Sahabi or the Sahabiyyah, like a female, says which they could not have known. They are saying something. They are giving over some type of information that they could not have known or learned except that they learned it from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Understand? So they are making a statement that cannot be that they could not have known could not have received except that they got it from the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam so if we look at this hadith over here whomsoever says this dhikr hasbi allah la ilaha illahu alayhi tawakkaltu wa huwa rabbul arshil azim seven times in the morning or in the evening allah will suffice him anything that concerns him from the matters of this world or the next this hadith abu darda Saying this, could he have, could he, can he say this from himself? Can he confirm this for us? That if you say it seven times in the morning, this is the reward Allah is going to take care of all of, you, all of your concerns for the dunya and the akhirah. If you say it in the evening, the same. Can a sahabi or any scholar for that matter tell us this with a guarantee? The answer is no. How does he know Allah is going to guarantee us this reward? And how does he know it must be said seven times and not ten times or three times or once? So this type of narration, he could only have known via learning it from the Prophet or via wahi, via revelation. And that is how he could tell us for sure that if you say it seven times, this is your reward. And if you say it seven times in the evening, this is your reward. So therefore, these type of ahadith, these type of mawkuf narrations, we say has hukmur rafa', meaning it has the, the ruling of a marfu' hadith, basically. It's as if it's narrated from Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi himself, because all of the sahaba are just and trustworthy. They would never make a forgery by themselves. It's impossible. Understand? So these narrations, they are like a marfu' hadith. Therefore, it is included in the Adhkar Sabah and Masa, and we say that Abu Darda must have learned it from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam even though he never uttered and said that the Prophet Sallallahu said so and there are many examples like this by the way of Mawquf Ahadith that are treated as Marfu' Hadith many examples okay this is just one of them so the scholars have stated that this therefore also has Hukmur Rafa' meaning it's treated as a Marfu' Hadith as if the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said it because this is the only way Abu Darda could have known this and Abu Darda would not make up something like this because it's not the Sahaba not, would not have done that. They are trusted and just in all of their narrations. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. So the hadith is authentic according, uh, up to Abu Darda. And we say that he would have only learned it from the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. And therefore we use it and we act upon it and we believe in it. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Tayyib. Now we look at the 
wording of the hadith. So firstly, how to recite it? Hasbiyallahu la ilaha illahu alayhi tawakkaltu wa huwa rabbul arshil azim. Allah is sufficient for me. Hasbiyallah. Hasbiyallah. Allah is enough for me. Allah is sufficient for me. I don't need anybody but Allah. If I have Allah, I'm sufficed. If I have everything besides Allah, I have nothing. So if I have Allah with me, then I have whatever I need and more than that. Hasbi Allah. I say this with, with belief, with yaqeen, conviction, that this is the truth. Alhamdulillah, we have Allah with us. Hasbi Allah. Allah is enough for me. Allah is sufficient for me. I don't need anybody else, anything else, if Allah is with me. Hasbi Allah. Allah is enough for me. La ilaha illahu. There is none. No ilah. Nothing. There is none that's worthy of worship but him or except for him. Again, we've spoken about this under the tahrir in a bit more detail. Alhamdulillah. So enough is Allah for me, the one whom there is none worthy of worship except him. Alayhi tawakkaltu. I put my trust in him. Upon him have I placed my reliance and my trust. Alayhi tawakkalt. He is enough for me. There is none that we worship. There is none worthy of worship except him. So we put our trust in him. We put our reliance in Him. We leave our affairs to Him. We do what we have to do, but ultimately we leave all of our affairs to Him. He is in charge. He is in control. We know He is the most merciful. He is the most perfect. He is not in need of anything, but we are completely in need of Him. So we turn to Him and we leave our affairs to Him. And He is the Lord of the majestic throne. He is the Lord of the, the great, powerful, majestic throne. This is who Allah is. The throne is one of His greatest of creation. His biggest creation is the throne. His biggest creation is the throne. And we'll speak about the throne next week, under a separate dhikr that mentions again the throne, the, the weight of the throne. Tayyip. But yeah, Allah is the, the Lord of this majestic throne. So this is who He is. We know that Allah is above His throne in a manner that befits His majesty. So this is a dhikr that we recite Morning seven times, evening seven times. Number one, the wording is first is beautiful and it's a reminder in and of itself of our need for Allah, of Allah's perfection and that He doesn't need us. He's the Lord of the perfect throne. This throne is way bigger than this entire world and whatever it contains. But Allah is greater than that. That's just part of His creation ultimately. And we put our trust in Him. We put our trust in Allah alone. Because we know if Allah is with us, we don't need anything else. There's none worthy of worship except Him. He is sufficient for us. We put our trust in Him and He is the Lord of the Great Throne. So we remind ourselves of this dhikr. It reminds us of the greatness of Allah and that we, we need to always put our trust in Him. There's none that's deserved of our trust but Him. As Allah says in the Quran, put your trust in the one who is alive, the ever-living, who never dies. That's the one who deserves your trust. Don't put your trust and reliance in people. Don't depend on people. Depend on Allah. Put your reliance in Him alone. Because there's none that's worthy of it except Him. La ilaha illahu. So if we say this seven times in the morning and seven times in the evening, the hadith says, Allah will suffice one's needs or one's concerns. Whatever it is of this world and of the akhirah. Subhanallah. So we say this morning and evening and through this we hope for Allah's help. Hoping for his assistance. That he will take care of our needs and our, our concerns and our worries. In this world and in the Akhirah. We obviously have concerns for the Akhirah as well. Where are we going? Jannah, Jahannam. What's our scales going to be? Good or heavy or, or on, the, on, the, on the good side or on the bad side? What's our state in the Qabr? So forth. It's concerns that we should have. And likewise we have concerns in this world. For ourselves, for our nafs, for our families, our children, wealth, health, so forth. Concerns. We say this hoping that through this Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will take care of our concerns. So we put our trust in Him, our reliance in Him, and we do our best after that. Walhamdulillahi Rabbil Alameen. Abu Bakr as-Siddiq radiallahu anhu, he said, O oh, Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, teach me a few words I should recite in the morning and evening. Notice Abu Bakr eager to make dhikr in the morning and evening. Ya Rasulullah, teach me something for the morning and evening. So he said, say, Allahumma fatur as-samawat wal-ard, 
عالم الغيب والشهادة رب كل شيء ومليكه أشهد أن لا إله إلا أنت أعوذ بك من شر نفسي ومن شر شيطاني وشركي Say this in the morning, in the evening and when you go to bed Three times In the morning, in the evening and when you go to bed This hadith is in Ahmad and Abu Dawood and it's sahih as Kurdu Shaghabani rahimahullah There's another version of this hadith in At-Tirmidhi which states Allahumma fatur as-samawat wal-ard Alim al-ghaybi wa-shahada La ilaha illa ant Rabba kulli shayin wa malika A'udhu bika min shari nafsi wa min shari shaytani wa shirki Wa an aqtarifa ala nafsi su'an Aw ajurrahu ila muslim This version is in At-Tirmidhi So between the two versions there's a slight difference But there's a lot of similarity as well One of the differences is the end part here is added that's not found in the version in Abu Dawood. وَأَنْ أَقْتَرِفَ عَلَى نَفْسِي سُوءًا أَوْ أَجُرَّهُ إِلَى مُسْلِمْ is not found in the previous version. Right? And there's a slight difference after عالم الغيب والشهادة as well. طيب. So what the scholars have mentioned is they use both narrations together. They made jam' of the two narrations. They reconciled between them. And this is how the narration reads. So this is the version that we recite morning, evening and before we sleep according to both narrations. According to the hadith in Abu Dawood and the hadith in At-Tirmidhi. طيب. So how does the hadith read? Allahumma fatir as-samawati wal-ard Alim al-ghaybi wal-shahada Rabba kulli shayin wa malikah Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant A'udhu bika min sharri nafsi Wa min sharri shaytani wa shirkih Wa an aqtarifa ala nafsi su'an أو أجره إلى مسلم. That is the the reading of this ذكر. Morning, evening, and before we sleep, once we should recite this ذكر. And again, it's a very, very, very important ذكر that we recite. Recite with understanding, with sincerity, longing for what we are asking Allah سبحانه وتعالى for. So we turn to Allah firstly and we say Allah مفاطر السماوات والأرض. Oh Allah, the originator of the heavens and the earth. So we start off by praising Him. Mentioning some of his names and attributes. Who he is. Calling unto him by these beautiful names and his powerful lofty attributes. Oh Allah, originator of the heavens and the earth. He is the one who brought this entire creation into, 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 into creation. Into, from nothing. It was nothing before. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala brought it all into existence. The originator of the heavens and the earth. From nothing to what we see today. Not just within this world. The entire universe, the heavens, the earth, whatever is between it, whatever it contains, Allah is the originator, the fatir, the one who brought it into existence. Alimul ghaybi wa shahada. He is the knower of the unseen and the evident. Yani that which is unseen, that which is seen. That which is hidden, that which is apparent. Nothing escapes his knowledge. And this is an attribute that belongs to Allah alone. We do not believe anything or anybody else knew the unseen. Not even Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Not even other creatures of the unseen, like the jinn or the angels. They do not know everything. They also have limited knowledge of what's in front of them. And certain things Allah has bestowed upon them. But other than that, only Allah knows the entire seen and the unseen. Alimul ghaybi wa shahada. Likewise, Rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. He doesn't know the unseen and it's clearly mentioned in the Quran. Say, O Rasulullah, I don't know the ghaib. I don't know the unseen. Khalas. Yet there are people who unfortunately believe that the Prophet knew the unseen. And this is actually almost equating him to Allah, if not entirely equating them, depending on the aqidah. But it's a major flaw in one's belief that can definitely lead to major shirk and take one out of the fold of Islam. Depending how um, evil their belief is. Uh, so, how much they are equating him to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and let's leave it at that. So only Allah has these attributes of knowing everything and he is the knower of the unseen, the only one who knows the entire unseen and the only one who knows every single thing in the, that which is evident and apparent as well. The Lord of everything. That's who Allah is. Rabbil Alameen, a similar meaning. Rabbil Alameen means the Lord of every single thing in existence. Rabba kulli shay, the Lord of everything. Humankind, jinn kind, angels, the heavens, the earth, whatever is between it, the earth, the sun, the moon, the, 
every single Allah is the Lord of every single thing. Wamalika and He's the possessor, the owner of everything. Again, the start of this dua is to praise Allah, to mention Him by His names and attributes. Allahumma fatur as-samawat al-ard, alim al-ghaybi wa shahada, rabba kulli shayin wa malika, the Lord of everything and the owner of everything, the possessor of everything. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. And here we turn to Allah and we say, I bear witness that there is no ilah that's worthy of worship but you. Nothing is worthy of worship but you. Whatever is being worshipped is a false god, it's not deserved of worship. Whatever is being turned to and being called upon is not deserved of worship, only you are deserved of worship. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa ant. We turn to Allah and we mention his tawheed, which is the most beloved thing to him. Nothing is more beloved to Allah than Tawheed. And this is one of the ways to have your dua accepted, is to acknowledge your belief in His oneness. Is to acknowledge your Tawheed in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That I'm not like the Mushrikeen. I'm not like those who worship other than Allah. I'm not like the Quburiyya, the grave worshippers who go to the graves, even though they're supposed to be Muslim, they make dua to the dead. They make dua to the prophets. They make dua to the angels, to the jinns. They sacrifice to the jinns. They worship the jinns. They worship all types of things. Ashhadu an la ilaha illa I be witness that there is none worthy of worship except you. Look at the dua of Yunus. How when Allah saved him, what did he say? La ilaha illa ant. There is no none worthy of worship except you. Subhanak, you are perfect. Inni kunt min al And I am those who wronged myself. I am of the wrongdoers. And Allah accepted his dua. Allah granted him relief. And the Prophet said, whoever asks Allah by saying this dua, Allah will, will, will accept his dua. The power of acknowledging one's Tawheed, if one is truly upon Tawheed. And then comes the part of the dua. أعوذ بك من شر نفسي I seek refuge in you, O Allah, from the evil of my nafs, from the evil of my soul. Every person, we commit sin. So our nafs is inclined towards certain sins. Here and there, depending. It's different for each person. But each person has his weakness. Each person has its, its test, his tests that are appealing to him or that draws him in and it can be so many different things different ways each person should know himself and his weakness and when he utters this dua he's asking Allah to protect him from that evil that's within himself that evil of his nafs yet his weaknesses his shortcomings that he always falls into and so forth this is of utmost importance wa mishadish a'udhu bika a'udhu bika and from the evil of the shaytan and his shirk, meaning his, his, his helpers or his shirk or his plots. So here we are asking Allah this part now to seek protection in him, to protect us against the shaytan. That we are able to overcome him and that he doesn't overcome us. That his waswasa, we do not fall for it and that we overcome it and so forth. His evil suggestions, we do not get lured in by it but that we overcome it. Every person has the qareen that's whispering to him. Shayateen are all over. Shayateen of insiwa jinn. They are shayateen of mankind and jinn kind. We want protection against all of them. They are all devils. Asking Allah to protect us against the evil of ourselves and then the evil of others. Like the different types of shayateen that are out there. وَأَعُوذُ بِكَ أَعُوذُ بِكَ مِشَّرِ نَفْسِ مِشَّرِ شَيْطَانَ شِرْكِ وَأَنْ أَقْتَرِفَ عَلَى نَفْسِ سُوءًا أَوْ أَجُرَّهُ إِلَى مُسْلِمٍ And I seek refuge in you from bringing evil upon my soul or myself and from harming any other Muslim. So this part of the dua is that we're asking Allah here that we do not end up harming others or harming ourselves. That we end up bringing harm upon ourselves or upon others. That it's not by my hand that somebody else gets hurt. Somebody else gets destroyed or killed or in an accident or beaten up or some types of bad or harm reaches them because of me, especially to a Muslim. You are asking Allah now to, pro- to, to not let that happen, to protect yourself, that you do not lead yourself to destruction, that you do not end up harming yourself and that you do not end up harming others. Right? So this is again a dua of protection. A dua of protection. Praise Allah, mention His oneness, and ask Ya Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to protect you against the evil of your nafs, the evil of the shayateen, and that you do not end up harming yourself or harming anybody else. So this should be mentioned once every morning, every evening, and every night before we sleep. 
The next dhikr is the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said to his daughter Fatima radiyallahu anha, What's preventing you from listening to my advice? Say in the morning and evening, Ya hayyu ya qayyum, bi rahmatika astaghith, aslih li sha'ni kullah, wa la takilni ila nafsi tarfata aynin. Say this every morning, O Fatima, his beloved daughter, giving her special advice, say this every morning. Ya hayyu ya qayyum, bi rahmatika astaghith, aslih li sha'ni kullah, wa la takilni ila nafsi tarfata aynin. Ya hayyu ya qayyum, it means, O oh, ever-living, O oh, self-existing one. Two of the names of Allah, which are two of His most powerful names. Imam Ibn al-Qayyim, rahimahullah, was of the view that these are His most powerful names. These two names. So this hadith that tells us, whoever asks Allah by His greatest name, then He basically has asked Allah by the name by which whatever you ask Him, He'll give. Whatever you're supplicating for, He will answer. So, what is the greatest name of Allah? Most ulama say it's Allah. Most ulama say it's Allah and that seems to be the strongest view. However, certain scholars like Ibn al-Qayyim and others, they were of the opinion that the greatest name of Allah is these two names together. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. And no doubt, these two names together are powerful. And they come up in many places in the Quran. Huwallahu ladhi la ilaha illa huwal hayyu al-qayyum. Allahu ladhi la ilaha illa huwal hayyu al-qayyum. Ayat of the Quran, Ayatul Kursi, they come together. Also in other hadith, the Prophet used to make dua using the same wording. Ya hayu ya qayyim bi rahmatika astaghith. He said that's the dua of the one that's in distress. So it's a way to bring about relief. These were the same wordings. Subhanallah, so this is a dua that we recite morning and evening, hoping for relief of distress, as well as a rectification of all of our fears as the hadith mentions. So we turn to Allah here by again His perfect names. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. Ya Hayyu Ya Qayyum. O oh, the ever-living. Allah is Al-Hayy. The ever-living. He has no beginning, no end. He's always been alive and He will never die. Perfect life. And He's Al-Qayyum, the self-subsisting or the self-existing one. Which means He exists by Himself. He doesn't need anything else to help Him survive or help Him exist. He exists by himself. And everything exists because of him. Everything exists because of him. Tayyip, this is the Al-Qayyum. Everything is, is alive and existing because of him. He is because of his maintenance. He maintains everything else. This is who Al-Qayyum is. And these two names, they basically incorporate all of the other names, meaning... Allah cannot have any other attribute except that He must be alive as well. So He cannot be a Sami' and Al-Basir, for example. He sees and hears everything, except that He must also be alive. So Al-Hayy basically includes all of Allah's Sifat Al-Dhatiyyah, meaning all of His attributes of His essence. Whatever He deals with, whatever name and attribute is to do with Allah's essence, it comes with, it's dependent on Allah being alive, basically. That He has to be Al-Hayy. That's how powerful this name is. And the same with Al-Qayyum, all of Allah's actions is dependent on this one. That He is existing by Himself first and foremost, and that everything else is existing because of Him. So it all goes back to this name, Al-Qayyum. Um, so that is those two names, we, st- we, we call upon Allah with these two names first and foremost. Al-Hayyul Qayyum. Birahmatika astaghith. Through your mercy I seek assistance or relief. Birahmatika. Through your mercy... I seek for uh, relief or assistance or help. Now, we know Allah's mercy is endless. Allah is perfect mercy. His mercy encompasses every single thing. Through that perfect mercy, we are seeking relief and assistance. With the mercy of Allah, we can achieve anything. We can overcome anything. We can uh, get relief from anything. So through your mercy, O Allah, we seek your relief or your assistance. Aslih li sha'ni kullah. Rectify all of my affairs for me. This is a dua now. Rectify all of my affairs, all of my issues. Whatever I have to achieve, whatever I'm going through, whatever I'm busy with, whatever, wherever I'm going wrong, whatever difficulty I have, whatever problems I have, whatever shortcomings I have, rectify all of my affairs for me. 
and do not leave me in charge of my soul for even the blinking of an eye. Yani, we cannot do anything without the mercy of Allah and without the help of Allah and without Allah. Not even for the blinking of an eye. If Allah leaves us in our fears, we would be destroyed. We would not achieve anything, we would be overcome. So here we are asking Him not to leave us ever. And that He takes care of our needs in a special way at every single moment. And not even for the blinking of an eye must He leave us to ourselves. Subhanallah. And we acknowledge this, that this is who Allah is and that we need Him at every single moment. So we ask Him to rectify our fears through His mercy, we sought His help and relief, the, the, the ever-loving, the self-existing, and that He does not ever leave us in charge of our souls, not even for the blinking of an eye. And in the first lesson, we spoke about this dhikr and we said, do not change the dhikr. We spoke about this issue. And don't say, wala aqalla min dhalik, and not even less than that. That would be changing the dhikr, and that would be an, a bid'ah, which is, which is impermissible and haram. Because when we say not even the blinking of an eye, that means the shortest time possible. You cannot say in any time shorter than that. Because it's as if you, now you're also trying to say that the Prophet Sallallahu wording is not perfect. It's not, it's not the best. We can have a better wording. This type of thinking should be avoided and it is impermissible to do that. And Allah knows best. So we say this every morning once, every morning, every evening once. And we say it with an understanding, knowing what we are asking, knowing who we are turning to. Walhamdulillahi. Rabbil Alameen. Um, I think we'll stop here today, bi'ithnillahi ta'ala, and we'll continue next week with the, with the rest of the adhkar, insha'Allah ta'ala. Um, until we meet again, wa sallallahu ala nabiyyina Muhammad, wa ala alihi wa sahbihi ajma'in. Subhanakallahumma bihamdik, shahadu an la ilaha illa anta astaghfiruka, wa atubu ilayk, assalamu alaykum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuhu.